Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision. And hopefully, you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. I thank God for another privilege to be here this afternoon, or is it morning? Whether morning or afternoon, he neither sleep, he neither slumber. He's the timekeeper. Oh, this seems the... Uh, I don't know how to start this message. I think from the second half of this year, we've been camping around messages that has to do with destiny. Pastor taught us on the termites of destiny. The black sheep syndrome. But in July, on the 22nd of July specifically, while Pastor Biola was ministering on the subject, one good turn deserves another. One bad turn deserves its consequences. I'm sure you know that in the apostolic doctrine, we build on what the others have laid. You're not going to lay a fresh foundation. You only take from the blocks of what has been built so that it doesn't appear as if we don't know what we are doing. We are building according to the pattern that God has shown to us. So she ministered on the subject, one good turn deserves another, and one bad turn deserves its consequences. The gist of the message is that what you do today will affect your children, it will affect your grandchildren, and it will affect generations that are coming after you. And during the message, she mentioned that in the journey of life, you cannot succeed alone. You need others to support you. You need others to back you up. God will put people along your way to help you. And that it will be unjust for you to forget those people. Because God has set them on your way. And having helped you, you need to also remember them for good. And she spoke about the story of Joseph and the butler. And how the butler forgot him for two years. And did not remember the man who interpreted his dream so that he could get out of the prison. She recalled the story that the man did not remember Joseph for two full years until Pharaoh had his dreams. On the 6th of August, Pastor came in here and ministered and built on that same subject. Man may forget, but God does not forget. And he said that he took the message further by saying that it was God Almighty himself that made the butler to forget Joseph. Because if Joseph had been released before that two years, he would have been of irrelevance. Pharaoh is here to dream. There is no dream to interpret in the palace. And Joseph would have become or stayed as an ordinary citizen. And that would not be part of the destiny that God had for him. And so about three Sundays ago, my brother Eldia had the idea and also ministered on this same subject of destiny. Titled his message, Journey into destiny. 
Finally, last Sunday, pastor spoke about when the table turns in continuation of this message on prophetic and apostolic succession, part of which is the issue of destiny that we have been dealing with. And he gave us about five life principles for successful living. I will not go back into that. I will just encourage you to go into those notes and begin to refresh ourselves about the things we have learned. And I pray that those things that we have received will be mixed with faith so that it can prosper us in the name of Jesus. So today, what I want to do is to take one of the blocks. When pastor was ministering, or ministering or man may forget, but God does not forget. He made a very powerful and profound statement. And that statement was that it, when it comes to matters of destiny fulfillment, when it comes to matters of destiny fulfillment, the timekeeper is God and not man. And our times and seasons are in God's hands. And there's nothing we can do to fast track anything. Because the times are in his hands and he's the one who can fulfill the promises that he has made for us. And so this morning I want to camp around that subject, God the timekeeper. God the timekeeper. When I was preparing for this message, I decided to refresh myself on the attributes of who this God is. And I discovered that God existed before time. Because he existed before time, he created time. Genesis 1, 1 said, God created the heavens and the earth. If you go to verse 14, give me Genesis 1, 14. Let there be, and then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. So he created the firmaments so that men can begin to use them to design time on this side of eternity. Time, seasons, days, and years. God created time cannot be limited by time. He exists as of time, he exists in time, and he exists after time. And so he can choose to do things before time began. He can choose to do things within time. And he can choose to do things outside of time. He only gave that for men to be guided by what he has done. I recall that our timing on this side of, for those of us who are students of geography, we talk about the solar system. And then we calculate our 24 hours and our 365 days in a year by the cycling of the, which one is cycling each other? Is it the heart that is cycling the sun or the sun that is cycling? Sorry, I've forgotten my geography. But one is cycling each other. And after the rotation, we end up that we have 24 hours in a day. We have 30 days in a month. We have 365 days in a year. And if it's a leap year, it's 366 days. But this God I'm talking about is the Alpha and the Omega. It's the beginning and the end. It's from everlasting to everlasting. Nothing can hinder him. Nothing can stop him. He functions the way he wants. He's the ancient of days. And yet he's the timekeeper of my life, the timekeeper of your life. He's the only one who can allow you and I to feel purpose and to feel destiny. God does not operate under the tyranny of science and technology. God is not bound by geography or the permutations of the climatologists and geomorphologists of 35 years. Today now we don't even know what the weather is like. All the theories of the last 35 years have been born good by heaven. You cannot determine what is going to happen next. 
God is changing times and he's changing seasons. Not only in our individual lives, but even in nature itself. Because he's God Almighty. During my research for this message, I also asked my questions. This calendar that we are using, that is a problem. That I'm about 51 years old now and I'm going to 52. How did they even arrive at this calendar? Who designed this calendar? Who calculated the days of my years and everything? Who put time to those days? And I discovered that we are using what we call the Gregorian calendar. Before this Gregorian calendar, there used to be what they call the Julian calendar. I've lived in Saudi Arabia for 18 months and I know they have the Islamic calendar. Their own calendar started when Muhammad moved from Mecca to Medina. As far as they are concerned, that's when the war started. So they have to start their own calendar, which they call Idra. I also noticed that the Chinese also have their own calendar. They call it the lunar calendar. They watch the moon. They watch the sun. And they use all these to design what their calendar will look like. But because of the hegemony of the Roman Empire on creation, this Julian calendar that was used by the world was named after Julius Caesar. Now, if you Google, I go to Wikipedia. I'm not a genius. I just Googled. So you can also do the same, but don't do it now during this message. You can do it later. <laughs> At least give me the opportunity to lecture you this afternoon or this morning. <laughs> but I'm quoting you my source. So I noticed that this particular Julius Caesar's calendar, that the length of the solar year which they were using or which they used to design this Julian calendar was miscalculated by 11 minutes every year. Now, the Catholic Church has fixed the 21st of March for Easter. And they don't want that date to move at all. But this Julian calendar, because it's always miscalculating 11 minutes every year, begin to shift the date of Easter from March 21. And so when Gregory became the Pope, he was angry. Because we have fixed this date and we don't want the date to shift. So he asked them to redesign the calendar. And this calendar was design, redesigned and named after him. That is the Gregorian calendar you are now using. No? Somebody just woke up and decided that he doesn't want Easter to be moving away, too far away from March 21st. So he asked them to redesign the calendar so that we have what we call the Gregorian calendar. So that the date of Easter will remain within the period of March and April that Pope Gregory wanted the calendar to stay. Now in England, New Year used to be March 25. I read that for the first time. Outside of the Gregorian calendar, when England was also following the Julian calendar, the New Year Day in England used to be March 25. So because it was a Roman Catholic church that designed the Gregorian calendar, the British Empire decided they were not going to follow because they were Protestants. But when they discovered that this thing was also affecting their own day-to-day -day activities, and when you want to put dates on documents, there is an inconsistency. And of course, remember that the power of the Roman Empire covered almost all the world at that material time. So England in 1752 
Because the Gregorian calendar actually started in, in the year, I think, 15, I can't remember, the year 1582. 1582. So England in 1752 decided to now convert to the Gregorian calendar. Now the problem they are having is that when they are going to convert from Julian to Gregorian calendar, some days will be missing. So on the 2nd of September, 1752, when England decided to adopt the Gregorian calendar for the British Empire, 2nd of September, 1752 was a Wednesday. By the time they want to convert to the Gregorian calendar, which was supposed to be a Thursday, the date fell on 14th of September. So England adopted the calendar and lost 11 days. Don't ask me where those 11 days are. But those 11 days created a riot in England. And people were saying, give us our 11 days. And so Benjamin Franklin in America sent a joke to them at that time. And I quote, he said, it is pleasant for an old man to go to bed on September 2nd and not having to get up until September 14. <laughs> because they don't know what happened. I slept on September 2nd. I woke up on September 14. 11 days disappeared from the calendar which is called the Gregorian calendar that you are now using today. So this is the calendar that is giving you now anxieties. It is the calendar that you are using to calculate your biological calendar. I'm getting too old to marry. I'm getting too old to have children. I'm getting too old. By the time you see all these vacancies, 2, 1, 27 years and below. Some have even pushed it down to 25 now. And then anytime you open those adverts, whether online or on the physical newspaper, you become depressed because somebody has fixed your age. Pope Gregory has long gone. Only God knows where he is. Whether he's in hell or heaven, I don't know. And the man has created a calendar that is governing my life, that is governing your life. And you are now forgotten who is this timekeeper, the one who existed before time, the one who created time. In this church, God has blessed us. We've celebrated 57-year-old having twins. we celebrated 54-year-old having twins. If they have followed the Gregory calendar, those children will not come. We've had last Sunday, somebody who has been barren for 18 years and God opened her womb. So why are you under the tyranny of the Gregorian calendar? Ask your neighbor, why is the Gregorian calendar tyrannizing you? Why are you so afraid of the Gregorian calendar? One pope just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And he said he doesn't want to be losing 11 minutes in a year. And he wanted Easter to be around March 21st. And he changed the calendar. And then you and I were in trouble. Because somebody woke up and said he wanted to change the calendar. England decided to adopt the calendar. They lost 11 days. Their citizens were rioting. Give us our 11 days. How can I sleep on the 2nd and wake up on the 14th? What has happened to 11 days? That is the calendar that is giving you a night tyranny. I want to submit to you that the calendar does not apply to God. God is not bothered by it. He didn't create it. It's not his business. As far as he's concerned, there's a calendar in heaven. That calendar has been written concerning you and I before we even showed up here. The timetable has been written by heaven. It has nothing to do with Gregory. It has nothing to do with the British Empire. It has nothing to do even with your parents. Because when it pleases God, he will shoot you as an arrow into this place. To come and fulfill purpose and destiny. So I submit you today... Whatever the case may be, don't tyrannize yourself with the Gregorian calendar. It's man-made, it's made by the Catholic Church. For convenience sake, we are following it, but that's not the calendar of my life. That is not the calendar of your life. Your calendar is written in heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And enough for God to take the hair out of the balloon of all these sorts of calendar. He said in Psalm 90 verse 4. Psalm 90 verse 4. Moses said a thousand years in your sight. I like yesterday when it is past. Or like a watch in the night. In 2 Peter verse, chapter 3 verse 8. He said with the Lord one day. So, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. I don't know what calendar will be at this. And I don't know how you want to design this calendar. Where a thousand years will be one day. And where one day can serve like a thousand years. It's only the one who created time. That has the sovereignty to begin to design things in the way that suits his purpose. So please don't allow the Gregorian calendar to be a subject that will disturb you from having peace. Because no matter what, no matter your age, no matter where you're coming from, no matter where you are now, I prophesy to you, you fulfill destiny. That's why I said you should pray the reason why you are here. The places God has appointed for you will go there. Heaven will not replace you in the name of Jesus. That which has been written concerning you, you will fulfill purpose, you will fulfill destiny. You will reach your goal. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Second thing I want you to take away today is that this timekeeper, God the timekeeper, he fixes the time and seasons the way he likes. He fixes the times and seasons and the period for the fulfillment of his word in our lives. God the timekeeper fixes times and seasons and the period for the fulfillment of his word in our lives. In Genesis chapter 15, very familiar scripture, Genesis 15, 13 to 16. While he was cutting covenant with Abraham, he locked this man up and his descendants for 400 years. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And we serve them. And they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve are with judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go. That's all. Do you know that 400 years also accounted for the reason why Isaac find it to be a children? You know, Rebecca had issue with conception. But if Rebecca has conceived immediately he got married to Isaac, it was this thought 400 years that God is targeting. So God has kept everybody inside one frame. Remember Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. He kept all of them inside that frame. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the nation of Israel. And so because of that 400 years, nobody is going to conceive out of time. All your conception must come within the time that I have set from heaven. It has nothing to do with any calendar. It has nothing to do whether Rebecca has sinned or Isaac. As a matter of fact, Isaac was 40 years old when he got married to Rebecca. And he didn't choose the wife himself. They went to go to, their fa- to, their, to the family to go and marry Rebecca for her. But God shut the womb of Rebecca. But when it was time, God told Isaac, pray for her. Because from the calendar of heaven, and the 400 years is about to kick in. But she cannot afford to bear children outside that 400 years. Because God has same thing with Joseph. Even though he was shown at the age of 17 what his future will be. God knew that he has to go through 13 years in that place. God knew he has to go into the house of Potiphar. God knew he has to go into a prison. Because he has already decreed, even before Joseph knew where Abraham was, 
Before his grandfather was, I'm not sure whether he even knew everything about what God covenanted with his grandfather, apart from the covenant of circumcision. But before this man showed up, heaven has already decreed concerning him. Abraham has caught covenant with God. And God said, you know what, Abraham? You are going to go and rest. But your descendants are going to be what? Enslaved for 400 years. Meanwhile, part of that frame are the Amorites. Those one God is just keeping their cup drop by drop, drop by drop. But heaven can predict when their cup will be full. I pray God will not have that type of patience with you so that you can quickly repent and not wait until the cup is full and then judgment will descend. How I wish the Amorites were in heaven or they were there when God was calling covenant and they would say, oh boy, I want no man saw you. 100 years. And we're going to lose the so-called promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. Maybe they will have repented. So that's why God has brought you and I here today to refresh our life, to reconsider our ways. Because you don't know what conversation is going on in heaven. Do you remember that prophet called Micaiah when Ahab wanted to go for battle with Jehoshaphat? And Jehoshaphat said, give us a prophet, yeah? And all of them came and they were talking nonsense. And they said, no, there's still one more prophet, but doesn't speak anything good about me. But when they brought Micaiah, Micaiah said, look, I was in the court of heaven. And God was saying, now are we going to send somebody to mislead Abraham to Ahab so that he can kill himself? And he said, one of the angels showed up and said, I will become a lying spirit in the mouth of his. God forbid that you fall for lying spirit. You know this lying spirit is not from Satan. It came from God Almighty himself. But Micaiah can eavesdrop to the conversation of heaven. I wish Hamorites can eavesdrop to that conversation. Do you hear what heaven is saying concerning you? Do you know where you are coming from? Do you know who's your Abraham? But maybe you don't even know who your forefathers are or the one that were before you. But at least you know Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has gone to the cross to change everything, that everything that are working against you and I will begin to work for us. At least you can connect Jesus. If you cannot trace your line, you can trace it back. Unplug yourself from all those ancestral causes and ancestral problems from home. Unplug yourself to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith in the mighty name of Jesus. So this God is the timekeeper. He fixes your times and fixes your seasons. He can lock you up like he locked the descendants of Abraham up in 400 years. If that thing does not happen, nothing will happen. So whether they like it or not, there's nothing Jacob can do. There's nothing Joseph can do. Even his brothers that betrayed him, do you know it's part of the package? Because no known to God are all his words from eternity. Some of the things that are happening to us are so mysterious that we can't even explain anything. They will not even know the reason why they are selling their brother. But Joseph must get to Egypt because that is the land that is going to enslave them for 400 years. So how is he going to get to the dead there as a slave? God has already orchestrated all these things in known environment. So you and I, we are just actors on a stage. God is the director, he's the producer. He's the one who has written the script. And he's behind the camera and everything and he's telling you this is the way you should go. This is the man you will marry. These are the children you are going to have. These are the, this is the country that I have established for you to prosper. Even the time you gave your life to Christ, that was not the day God found you. He has already found you before you were come together in your mother's womb. But when it was time for you to manifest, like Paul said, he said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. God is going to find you. If you are here and you don't know God yet, I pray that the day will not pass you by. And the name of God will be glorified in your life. In the name of Jesus. 
Same thing when God sent them onto captivity in Babylon. He told Jeremiah, they're going to spend 70 years there. He said, go and get married. Go and build houses there. Don't fool yourself. You are not coming out of this place for 70 years. Jeremiah 29, 4 to 14. For sake of time, you can read that. It's a familiar scripture. For God has already said 70 years of captivity. And there's nobody. He said, even all the prophets that are prophet lying to them, he's going to punish them. Because he has made up. He said, pray for the peace of the place. He said, pray for the prosperity of Babylon. Can you imagine praying for the prosperity of an evil place? Because heaven says, I'm locking you up there. And until completion of 70 years, there is no coming out there. So have your children there as slaves. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of them. They were there in Babylon because heaven has said so. That is God, the time picker. This one has nothing to do with Gregorian calendar. It has nothing to do with anybody. It has to do with God, the timekeeper. Now, in the vocabulary of this timekeeper, there is what we call the set time, the appointed time, and what we call the fullness of time. In the vocabulary of God, the timekeeper, there is always a set time, an appointed time, and fullness of time. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14. Give us Genesis 18, 14. On the screen. Is anything too hard for me? You recall this conversation when God sent some three angels to go and visit Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah was laughing and was wondering what is going to happen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. According to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Give me Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. For the vision is yet for what? For an appointed time. But at the end of it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall he by faith. Give me Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. Set time, appointed time, and fullness of time. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God has spoken to him. So there's a set time. I will still show you the fullness of time. There's a set time. There's an appointed time. And there's fullness of time. Now, some of God's plan happen at the set time or appointed time. But sometimes, God requires some maturity for the fullness of time to come. And that's why when you read, say, in the fullness of time. I'll read the scripture about Paul. That was what happened to Paul. Paul was not part of the 12 disciples. Paul never followed Christ when he was physically here on the surface of the earth. Why? Because God was waiting for him to go through all the crucible of the Pharisee school and all those things that he needs to know because God wants to puncture all those beliefs so that by the time he's going to call Paul in the fullness of time, the man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because it was the fullness of time for him. To become an apostle. So don't forget. Say time. 
There's appointed time and there's fullness of time. However, ladies and gentlemen, this time beaker can this keeper can decide to not even show you any time at all. Say time, appointed time, fullness of time. In his sovereignty, he can say, Look, I'm not going to show you any time. Yours is to just obey me. Acts chapter 1. Give me Acts 1 on the screen. Verses 6 to 8. Now, this was when Jesus was about to go back to heaven. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But look at the beautiful thing. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the heart. So the, the, the timekeeper can decide, I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that will allow you to live in holiness and righteousness, the power that makes make you to bring souls into my kingdom, the power that will open your eyes to the signs of those times and seasons. Because Jesus eventually mentioned the things that are going to happen for God to restore that kingdom. And so when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you don't need to bother yourself about specific dates or time. Because the Spirit will give you comfort. You begin to live accurately. You begin to live in holiness. You begin to live in righteousness. Because you know the one who has called you is faithful. And is going to bring to pass all that he has said in the mighty name of Jesus. So please, Deuteronomy 29, 29, what does he say to us? Because sometimes we misinterpret those things. Give me Deuteronomy 29, 29. You know, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed, that is the things that are revealed though. If they are not revealed, it doesn't belong to you. So don't do any permutation on it. Don't confuse yourself. Because that's why when we want to get married, I know my mother did this, she did not tell me. She will carry my wife's name somewhere. Is she going to be a good woman or is she going to bring evil to her house? And we consult us people that go, there's a thin line between revelation and divination. And people go into all sorts of things because they want to know the secret things that are not revealed to them. But if you have the Holy Spirit, God will reveal things that are necessary to you. The one that you don't have the maturity to carry, we still keep it in secret until you are mature enough to handle those things. Because he knows if you reveal everything to you, some of you will sabotage your own destiny. Some of you will not reach to the place called finish. So we decide to do those things. So when you read Deuteronomy 29, 29, it's not all things that God reveals. It is only those things that are revealed that belongs to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So the ultimate is that the secret things belong to who? The Lord God. And he is what? The timekeeper. So he can decide to show it to you. He can decide not to show it to you. Give me Amos chapter 3 verses 6 to 8. Still on God, the timekeeper, who fixes the times and seasons and the period for its fulfillment. So if a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people be afraid? If there's calamity in a city, will not the Lord have done it? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophet. Give me verse 8. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? 
The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? So unless God reveals it by his Holy Spirit, either to his prophets or to you as a son and a daughter of God, don't permutate on what God has done. He will reveal what he wants to reveal. He is the timekeeper and there is nothing you can do. Now, third point this day, something that gladdens my heart, is that whether he shows me the set time, appointed time, or fullness, or he doesn't even show me any of those three times. While you are waiting for God Almighty, the timekeeper, he will do two great things for you. Whether you know the set time, the appointed time, or the fullness of time. The first thing God will do for you is to renew your strength or reward you with renewed strength. Can you imagine Sarah at her age? Abimelech snatched her from Abraham. God was making this woman to look more beautiful every day. That she continued to look attractive to men. As a matter of fact, the husband said, you know, they will kill me because of you. When we get there, just tell them you are my sister. And that was what happened. Abimelech saw her and said, ah, oh, Barry. Oh, money. Quickly grab that down and say, yeah. Because God was renewing the beauty of this woman. Because God has said they are still going to have children. And so God must continue to renew everything that will make this woman to be attractive to Abraham. No, Abraham, would you baba baby come? So God has to make this woman to look beautiful and continue to. So God will renew your strength. Or he will reward you with a new strength. Isaiah chapter 40. Give me Isaiah 40 on the screen. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill. Can we just move forward? Give me that verse 28 so we can save time. Verse 28, Isaiah chapter 40. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God? The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Give me Revelation chapter 12. Let me show you something. That thing is on the letter paper of the serving of Isaiah. I don't know what that will allow me to do my own copyright to. I love it. There is this woman that was given two wings of the great eagle. I want to marry that to Isaiah chapter 40. Revelations chapter 12. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. He still drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. 
She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's the Lord Jesus. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should fill there 1,260 days. And what broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the heart and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice say in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren. Who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he has been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given what? Two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. I pray to God this day that whatever it is that is an obstacle or whatever evil that enemy has sent your way, you are going to receive two wings of the great eagle in the mighty name of Jesus. You are going to rise above situations and circumstances that want to swallow you up in the name of Jesus. If you continue in that reading, you will see that at a stage, the serpent spew out flood from Israel in order to swallow the woman. The Bible says God commanded the ground to open. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God will raise a standard. God will raise by his will raise standard against the enemy in your life in the name of Jesus. If some mountain removed to refuse to move, because you are mounting up with the wings of the true great, the two wings of the great eagle, you fly up all those mountains in the name of Jesus. You will not waste your time saying this mountain will be removed and because what's my own? When I have wings, you just fly over those mountains and move into your destiny in the name of the resurrected Jesus Christ. So those are the things that God can do. So the first one is it will renew your strength or reward you with renew strength. In the case of Sarah, renew that beauty. She continued to look more beautiful so that God can fulfill. The second thing, you know what? A man of destiny like pastor will say, we never die without fulfilling that destiny. God will keep you alive. I said, God will keep you alive. I said, God will keep you alive. You will not die in process. You will fulfill your destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ, no matter how long, no matter how difficult, no matter the challenges, no matter whether or not you know the set time, the appointed time, or the fullness of time, because you are waiting on the Lord, He will keep you alive. He will keep you alive. I said, We keep you alive in the name of Jesus Christ. Example Caleb, Joshua chapter 14. You can read that on your own. Joshua 14, 6 to 14. You see what God did to Caleb. At the age of 85, he was 40 when they went to spy the land. 45 years later, God still kept him alive. And he said his strength has not changed from that 40-year-old man. That at 85, he was still standing in the same strength and the same power. 
when you follow God wholeheartedly like Caleb, no matter the time, because at the time that they went to spy the promised land and God said, I'm going to use 40 years to waste all these people. It's only the love of God and the mercy of God that kept him and Joshua. Because he could have been wasted in the wilderness too. But because of that, God kept him alive. That this one will not die. Joshua also will not die. I'm going to keep them until they get to the promised land. When the God has said, you know what? Give me this mountain. That the strength, strength I had 45 years ago, I'm still having it. So I can assure you that God will keep you alive. Not only will he keep you alive, he will give you strength to run the race. Strength to fulfill purpose. Strength to fulfill destiny. Like Caleb, you will still rise up. With every fiber in your being that you are ready to take those mountains and possess them for God in the name of Jesus. When Moses was about to die at the age of 120, the Bible says his eyes did not grow dim. He said natural vigor did not diminish. So God is able to do the same for you because he is the timekeeper of your life. Most importantly, I want to challenge us. You know, most of the time when we are talking of timekeeping, destiny and the rest, many times nobody asks, what does God really want? I can say now that, oh, okay, at the age of 51, I didn't build us on time. Or oh, what day did I even leave school? Or oh, what day did I marry? Because foolishly, I used to complain that I married very late at 37. And that my mates, their children are already getting married. If I have a friend in London, he's already a grandfather. You know, they marry so early in those places. So, and I was like, God, what is this? And God will just shut my mouth and say, look at you, you're a fool. 37, mm-hmm. What's the big deal? You left school so early. Let me share my story with you. You know, I was in primary one at age four. Age 10, I was out of secondary school. Age, I mean, for primary school. Age 15, I was out of secondary school. Age 20, I graduated from IFE. Even in my class, I have people that are younger than me by a year. I have people graduating at the age of 18. Some 19. And then in that immature stage, we move into the law school. And we are qualified as a lawyer at the age of 21. No maturity, nothing. I just got to worry as a huge copper, and I started misbehaving. Ah, I hear a lay. You see me early in the morning with my bibs and collar inside the taxi. I'm going, and come and see English. I know you will. <laughs> Sorry for robo people and shakri people here. They like litigation. And then you must speak big grammar. The man does not understand, but we'll be telling his brother, say, see my lawyer. So whether the law, whether it makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And you know, in law, in those days, we cram a lot. In IFE, we don't do semester exam. That's why we say anybody who graduated from IFE. In my days, I'm talking of early 80s, is almighty. So you see us when we're in the faculty, they will pack ambulance when we are doing the exam. Because first semester, you see law students just enjoying themselves all over campus. But when it comes to rain semester, and I die. You have to read to the next day and move from the classroom with OB and coffee into your exam hall. So you just see a law student who just wake up and just remove his shirt in the exam hall and said his brain, his brain is spinning <laughs> because the man has not slept for three days. <laughs> so those are the things we are going through. And so by the time you graduated, and of course, we have quite a lot of older people who are struggling, but we, we still have the energy of the youth and we are focusing on education. But the moment we graduated and became copper, one it just went crazy, and my mother has to come and rescue me from Bender's Tizil boy. 
Oh yeah, he yeah, he said, too. Parlez vous vraiment. Because I wanted to stay there. There were lots of women. Ah, mojoko pa ni baby. Say, I wake up in the morning. My shirt was white, sparkling white. Not all those yoya that you see around Chad and Bay. When you see me going to court in the morning like this, I will just raise my head high like this. The law, I will just be doing like this. <laughs> so sometimes some of these things, God knows that this man can go and self-destruct. So immediately I finished youth service. I was earning 250 as a copper. The first job I got at the bar, they paid me 150. Ah, I busted this. I said, Mommy, she ain't got to take me watch Lily. Even right in the courtroom in worry, somebody will be giving you a case as you are sitting. She said, Oh, God, I like the way you have good at your case. He will just carry his file from the lawyer. I said, Oh, she's a lawyer. Me, huh? This one is my lawyer. This man knows how to handle this. Once they see that you, in those days, you know, when I go for criminal cases, I like to do. Uh, what we call no case submission. I don't go to trial. I don't defend my. I just say, look, by that time, you're just fresh from the law school. All the elements of the offense of stealing, the offense of that, I have them at my fingertips. So I would just sit down like this, cross my legs. I said, my Lord, I'm raising a no case submission. And in those days, we don't file written address. It's oral advocacy. You must have your command of the English language and your authorities at your fingertips. And I would just mention these are the three elements of, of offense of stealing. They have not proved any of the elements. Because of that, we are not even going to defense. And I want this matter to be struck out. And I said, okay, okay, prosecutor, did you hear him? What's it? And he said, next thing, struck out. So the accused person would just jump in the middle of them. All the other ones say, oh yeah, oh yeah, please, okay. Come and take our case off. So I was making good money. I was rich. I was enjoying myself. And then my mother said, oh, my God. I don't want to lose you here. Apologies to Rubo. I like a lot of them. They are still my friends. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I was saying that sometimes we don't ask what God needs. We think so much about our own needs. And we don't say, okay, in terms of timing, is it not good for me to also say, God, am I walking behind schedule concerning you? Am I walking behind schedule concerning your desire? For instance, this year we have said we are going to bring souls. Each one, rich one. This is September. Apart from people like Brown, Mike, and Pastor Eke that are champions now, all of us are only God knows. We are sitting in the reserve bench. Many have not even gotten a single soul. Many have not even opened their mouth, whether at church in the house, whether in their offices or whatever. Many are living a life of duplicity. That if you open your mouth, parent, pray Jesus is Lord, say, eh? He washer. Jesus, boo. Because your life is a life of duplicity. They can't identify you with Christ in any form or the way you live your life. So what are you going to talk about? And when it comes to embezzlement, we always turn the, state, the papers together. So and then tomorrow I will now say eternity. So eternity matters to you when you are supposed to be an example for us. So what I want to challenge us with Psalm 2 this afternoon, verses 7 to 8. It's good for us to ask God what he wants and we should ask him within time too. Even though he's a timekeeper, he may not want to harass us. He cares so much for us. But many times we don't even ask, what does this God need? Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8. I will decree, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the hands of the earth for your possession. This is what God is asking us to ask for. Many of us, there is nobody that will tell me I have this prayer point in my list. It's what I'm going to do right now. Now it's school fees. 
That's what everybody's crying. The one that I've not saved enough. How am I going to pay school fees? Next will be house rent. Next we talk about me Nobody will ever think that, oh, what about God? Have I asked him to give me nations for my inheritance? Ends of possession for, for, for my ends of the heart for my possession. And says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and not his righteousness. All these other things. So if you ask for nations and the ends of the heart, you're not going to be broke. Because everything in those nations become yours. The souls there, the resources there, everything. But God said, this is the word you should ask. But you are not asking because you are not begotten. Because a begotten person is really subscribed to the will of heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. So it's not your agenda, it's not your will. Not my will, but your will be done. When you surrender your will to the will of heaven, you become begotten. And then you can now say, Lord, give me nations for my inheritance. And the hands of the heart for my possession. And then you are meeting the need of the timekeeper. Keeper. So the timekeeper will not even wait for you to ask for anything. You begin to step into your situation. You begin to step into your circumstances. You begin to turn things around. And then you will not be like the people of Britain looking for 11 days that is lost. You will be able to know that, yes, this timekeeper is not banned by the Orient calendar. And is going to give me what is good for my life. So I challenge you this afternoon to please put that in mind that God needs you to ask for nations because those are the heartbeat of God Almighty. Nations are the inheritance of the saints. It has nothing to do with age. It has got to do with your becoming a begotten son and a begotten daughter. Once your will is totally yielded to you, you can be 90, you can be 80, you can be any age. God is able to meet you at the point of your need. I'm not sure I can finish this. No time is already running fast. And I still have a video clip to show you, to show you something. Uh, number four point I want to, maybe I was just rushed through that. God can change times and seasons. God can change times and seasons. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, God says, this is going to be the beginning of year for you. Just in the beginning, in the middle of the year. So I'm changing the calendar. The month of Abi will be the beginning of year for you. Exodus 12, 1. And Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 to 21 too. Daniel decreed that he can change times and seasons. There's nothing God cannot do because he's not banned by time. So if he wakes up and says, I want to change time and season, no problem. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 20, he extended the life of Ezekiah by 15 years. Ezekiah was due for death. His time was up. Although unfortunately he wasted that 15 years that led his descendants into captivity. But bottom line is that God changed his age, added 15 years for him. And of course, if you're a good student of geography, what Joshua did at the battle to protect the Gibeonites, the battle of Hijalon, Joshua chapter 10, 11, 6 to 15, when he was battling those five kings, when he couldn't finish the battle, he said, And he lifted up his eyes, he said, Sun stands still, moon stands still. I pray for you this afternoon that everything that needs to stand still will stand still for you. Yeah. God, we have to change the geography, has to change it. If God has to change nature, he has to change nature. If he has to remove human beings because of it, you have to remove them. Because the sun's too still for Joshua. The moon's too still for him until he finishes. So how many days are we going to count? He stopped one day from going down. Joshua also changed the calendar. If there was a calendar in those days, one day we'd be missing. Because he said both the sun and the moon should shine at the same time. And they should not go down. 
until I finish this battle. The Bible said there has never been a day like that. I want God listen to man. Because he has given you dominion already. It's because of ignorance that we are crying instead of taking our position. Why Joshua remember that in those days in the wilderness, he was guiding them with the pillar of cloud. And he denied what was his own. He was guiding them with the pillar of fire. And that man has caught cover. I studied God and studied Moses. I said, okay, uh-uh. this son, a minute later, I do know now. This moon, have you really challenged yourself in your faith? And command things that looks like impossible. How can one man, imagine one son for the whole creation, no? and you will sit down in your own room and say, this son, I command you not to go down. This moon that the whole world is waiting for and looking at and command you to stop. That was exactly what Joshua did. That means God can stop anything because of you. God can suspend nature because of you. God can remove kings because of you. If you take your position in authority, if you enter into your power store and say, Lord, I'm standing where Jesus stood. Because when you say in the name of Jesus, what you are telling God is that I'm standing where my Lord, Savior is standing. So I'm not the one standing. It's not Adewale that is standing. It's Jesus that is standing. And then you command the attention of heaven immediately. Say, what is he talking about? And then you can command the sun to stand still. The moon to stand still. Until you finish your battle. And so God allowed Joshua to change time. At least maybe one day was removed from creation because of that battle. Let me jump Trust the Holy Spirit to feed you with the rest. But I have a video clip that I want you to see. In the race of life, there is no competition. And that's what is killing us in the church. What you don't know is that God said, there is seed, there is time, and there is harvest. Now, you don't know when I'm sowing my own seed. When my own harvest comes, you are angry. You are jealous. What is your wala? What were you doing when I was planting my own seed? And it doesn't mean yours is not coming. Because maybe I'm enjoying my own harvest while you are still at the planting season. So wait, do your own planting, nurture it with the word of God, with faith, with belief, with everything. Because by the time your own harvest comes, we are not going to be jealous of each other. So we are not running a hopeless race. We are not running a life of competition. Because you don't know those days when I cannot even pay my own rent. You don't know those days when I'm living at Papa Shafa in Agege. And then because I'm not living in Lekki now, you are angry. Yeah, because I'm living, there was those days when you, some people can't even afford to buy Keke Marua. And if God blesses them and gives them something better, why are you angry? It's too arrogant. When I came to Lagos, it's a Yimandila that's in Shashet. Clean, just a jar, didn't buy any. Go and buy those fairly used shirts. You put starch. I can hire on like a laundry, man. When you see my shirt, get to a manly. But you can't tell me that I bought it from the back of Mandela's. My suits are bought from those malam along Marina. I go there weekends and I look my left, look my right. Oh boy, come, how much is this suit? But today I can buy new suits. I can walk into any shop that I need. I can buy suits. It's the grace of God. But you don't know when I'm planting my seed. So why are you jealous? Plant your own seed. Time will help you to nurture it. And then your harvest will come. So in this race of life, just stay on your own lane. Stay on your own lane. There are multiple lanes, millions of lanes. Stay on your own lane. You know in relay race, if you cross, you're already disqualified. But when you stay on your own lane, heaven will back you up. 
God will show up for you. Are you staying on your lane, brothers and sisters? Or are you crossing lane? Are you looking at somebody else? Why don't you focus on your lane and keep going? The whole heaven will stand in ovation for you. Everybody will rise up on their feet and salute you for what you have done because you stayed on your lane. You are not jealous of anybody. You are not envious of others. You followed your lane. You're looking up unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That is how to fulfill purpose. That is how to fulfill destiny. There is no competition in destiny. My destiny will not disturb yours. Yours will not disturb my destiny. Just focus on your lane. That hundred-year-old woman did not crisscross anybody. She just kept on. She just kept on. And she became the winner of that race. Ecclesiastes chapter 6. I mean chapter 9. Give me Ecclesiastes 9. In closing 11. I returned and saw under the heaven that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Finally, give me 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Let's rise up on our feet as I close. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the price. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the price is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run those not with uncertainty. Those are fight. Not as one that is beats, who beats the hair. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That is my story this afternoon. That is my message to you. And I want you to pray one prayer point before I leave the podium. Give me Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. I read verse 1 and then verses 12 to 17. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Give me verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by these many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. Who for one morsel of bread of food sold his birthright? For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. I want you to pray for yourself this afternoon. That Lord, every way that easily besets me, there is a race I must run. There is a victory to be won. Give me power every hour to be true. You see all those 
burdens that you carry, hatred, jealousy, envy, unbelief, and also those are baggages. If you carry them on the racetrack, you cannot win. They will wear you down. While others are running ahead, you will be battling with envy, with jealousy, with this, with that, with sin, with fornication, with the selling of your birthright. Ask God to help you this afternoon in the name of Jesus. Ask God to help me too. That every baggage that I'm carrying all over that heaven doesn't want me to carry. Let God deliver me in the mighty name of Jesus. God will deliver you. The Bible says we are surrounded by so much cloud of witnesses. Witnesses on earth and witnesses in heaven. They are looking on to us. The saints triumphant are looking at the saints militant. Waiting for you and I to finish strong. To finish our assignment so that we can receive good and faithful servant. God is our timekeeper. He's watching. He's at the racetrack and watching you so that you don't cross lanes. He wants you to remain focused. So drop all those baggages this afternoon. Everything that will displease God. Everything that will hinder you from running the race that is set before you. Ask God to deliver you in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.